0: Welcome to Spotlight Conversations with voice talent and DJ Donna Reed. Donna talks music and media from her sunny linoleum-free studio. Come on in.
1: All right, here we are. Another week, another episode. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for downloading the episodes. Wow. Didn't know my family was that big. So thank you very much. Love to talk to you. Thank you for sending emails, commenting on Facebook. Follow me at Spotlight Conversations on Instagram and on Facebook. Also, I have a website, SpotlightConversations.com. can find out everything you need to know about what I do when I'm not talking in the studio, but I'm in the studio quite a bit. And today, we are up in Dallas at New Country 96.3 Dallas-Fort Worth, to be exact, with the morning show host Hawkeye of Hawkeye in the Morning. He's been there for a very long time. And I have to ask the name Hawkeye,
0: like. <laughs> you know, I wish it was a great story, and people always want a great story. So I tell them that it came from a middle school teacher who wanted us to experience great literature and, and bring it alive. So they named us, uh, he gave us nicknames from characters <sighs> in great books, and Hawkeye's from Last of the Mohicans, and that nickname stuck. People love that story. Yeah. But the real truth is. When I was in San Antonio, I was on. I started out doing traffic, and there were two different uh, stations I was on, and they wanted me to have a different name. Mm-hmm. So I used Mark Lewis, which is my first and middle name, and the other station, uh, they had to come up with a separate name. So uh, Trey Ware was the program director. He's still in San Antonio, by the way. He said, You'll be Hawkeye. That'll be a great name, like <laughs> Eye in the Sky. And, and I, I thought, it. This name is going to stick. I'm they never going to get rid of this name. And it did. So uh you know it's that's been my name since
1: i have a husky and when i saw sled dogs when i i went to your bio i went all right sled dogs you actually <laughs> have you been the guy behind all the dogs going whoosh you well
0: it's interesting so uh, a friend of mine his brother-in-law did the iditarod and had mm-hmm. a lodge in alaska that did dog sled tours. And also there were other mushers who trained for the Aditarod. So we uh, went up there one winter for vacation and every day we would get up and we would, uh, we'd get my, it was called the training sled. So it was like Mm -hmm. the sled behind it'd be the dog sled Mm -hmm. and then there'd be a training sled. Mm -hmm. So we would, we would go out every day and train. And on the last day, uh, the one of the mushers who was training for the Aditarod let me drive the dogs. So that was a, that was a real treat to be able to drive the dogs.
1: Do you have a dog? Yes, I have a pug. <laughs> it I'm Completely different. Three hours a day. <laughs> right. I just wanted to get the dog sled story out because I thought that was. There's not many radio people who have done something adventurous uh, like that. Thirty-year um, veteran of morning radio, and I. How did you do that? There's so many people that are like, "Well, we're lucky if we get three in." <laughs>
0: I, you know what? I feel very, very lucky. And that's, that's all at one station. That's 32 yeah. years here at KSCS in Dallas. And uh, it's, I've been very, very lucky. First of all, I started with uh, Terry Dorsey. who All right. Uh, he was so far ahead of his time. It's so funny because there are so many things that consultants and talent coaches will teach you. And Terry was doing those things 30 years ago, uh, just instinctively. And he kind of taught me all that. And I just learned from the best. Um, and then, uh, Terry retired and I, you know, I stayed on after Terry retired, but I've been very lucky to work with him and very lucky, you know, to be in one market for that long. So, you know, and I, not everything, it hasn't been like the easiest 32 years. There's been ups and downs and management changes, ownership changes, you know, Terry retiring, that was, that was, uh, you know, that was kind of a difficult path to follow after he retired because mm-hmm. you just don't replace someone like Terry Dorsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, it's been just an extremely positive 32 years, and uh, I've enjoyed every day of it. And uh, I, I do feel very, very fortunate to be at one station that long.
1: How do how do programming air staff how did they weather the storms today in radio?
0: Um, it, well, are you talking about uh, like management storms or like uh, all of the, them? <laughs>
1: uh,
0: no, well, I, you know, I, I think one thing that air staff needs to think you know they need to kind of change the mindset uh from what was the mindset many years ago or originally i mean if you were on the radio if you were, you know a dj morning show whatever you did newscaster you know that was a that's a great career it, it was a fantastic career it's still a great career but mm-hmm. you need to expand your mind your your thought you need to really be an audio content creator mm-hmm. and radio needs to just be one part of your portfolio Um, And however you want to do it, I mean, do you want to write? Do you want to uh, create podcasts? You really need to expand what you do throughout the day. Do you want to be a social media influencer? There's a a disc jockey who used to work for our company. His name was uh, Brew. He was in Detroit. He just got hired in Los Angeles for the amp station. But he's got like over 2 million followers Mm -hmm. on TikTok. And he became a TikTok influencer. Now, that's not easy to do. And I don't recommend you try to get 2 million followers because you'll probably fail at it. Uh, and I don't even know if he's sure how he did it, but my point is you need to really find something more than radio. Radio is the cornerstone of your career, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but you, know, you need to be able uh, – You know, we both have podcasts, you and I, and uh, you know, people do voiceover work. There's all sorts of things right. to, be, you know, to be content creators. There's always going to be need for content, and mm-hmm. you just need to seek out other ways to supply content. And that's what I really think talent, radio talent needs to really kind of have that mindset nowadays – To do something else outside of radio that, you know, that dovetails nicely with what they do in radio Mm -hmm. and use radio Mm -hmm. as that building block and be prepared for the day that radio is going to change or, you know, heaven forbid that your job won't be there anymore, unfortunately.
1: You and I um, are good friends with Steve Reynolds an amazing radio consultant. He talked to yes, me, uh, yes. to me about you, and that's why you're on the podcast today. You've worked with, <laughs> with other consultants as well. How did that dovetail to the YouTube channel Five Ways to Promote Your Morning Show that cost you nothing, which is very good. I saw a little bit of it today.
0: Well, thank you. Well, I've got a chance to work with Steve. i got a chance to work with Randy Lane also. And a little bit briefly with uh, Tracy Johnson. Those are a pretty mm-hmm. big names. Mm-hmm. In, in, and... uh you know what, All uh, Tracy, I'm sorry, Steve and Randy both really helped me kind of put my show back together after there were some decisions made uh, mm-hmm. that kind of, I felt like, you know, kind of dismantled it. And, mm-hmm. uh, they were fantastic. Uh, but, you know, they kind of taught me that, uh, you know, even Tiger Woods needs a swing coach. You, you know, right. no matter what you think of it, it's always great to get yeah. another perspective. Absolutely. Uh, Steve, uh, I got to work with Randy for a very short time before there were budget cuts, so I love working with Randy. Uh, Steve, I worked with a lot longer before there were budget cuts. Uh, but Steve was really fantastic to make me think in so many different ways and added so much to my uh, to my show and I think what's really great with a, a talent coach is they do that. they expand your thought and they also uh, you know, bring new ideas to your show. That's what's really great about a talent coach or a great program mm-hmm. director is they bring ideas to your show. They don't subtract.
1: Mm-hmm. They
0: add and they make your show better. And um, so, you know, just just their attitude, their positive attitude. They have the Vince Lombardi attitude where we're yeah. sit down with you to show you positive things that you do. Yeah. And they talk about this all the time. Instead of bringing up negative things, like, oh, this is what you did wrong, Let me list the five things you did wrong today. <laughs> Boy, if you're in that situation, I really pity you, and I've been in that <laughs> yeah,
1: situation. We it's all very have. hard
0: to get up in the morning. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, so when you've got you know that list is coming at the end of the day. what What folks like uh, like Randy and Steve and Tracy Johnson do is like, hey, here's what you are doing really good at. How can you expand on that? How can you bring that to other things that you do? This is what you're really talented at, this is what you can build your show on. Uh, so just that positive attitude and that helpful attitude. Maybe want to kind of reach out. I, I kind of, I'm in a kind of unique position here in Dallas, where it's just me and my partner Michelle Rodriguez, and we don't have a producer. It is literally just us two. And for a major market, a top five morning show, that's really unusual. That's not by choice, by the way, but that's just budget realities. And uh, I went to morning show boot camp this year, the um, uh, the, uh, the virtual episode uh-huh. of it. And I know there were there were a lot more people like me, especially in smaller and mid markets. Than were people who you know some there's morning shows in my own company that have three producers or eleven members of the morning show. And so uh, but I know there's a lot more like me that have two. <laughs> and so I really want to reach out to those people, people who are challenged, who don't have a budget, and say, "Hey, you know what? There's a way that you can compete against people who have more staff, right, and just work harder and smarter. And that's really what you know, that's really what I wanted to do when I created that video on my YouTube channel on five ways to promote your morning show that don't cost you anything. Most morning shows actually don't have hardly any budget anymore to
1: promote. Yeah,
0: that's just yeah, the reality yeah, of the situation. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that you can do to, uh, to promote yourself. Uh, that, and that's what the whole purpose of that video was.
1: Is it also what you said earlier about people who are on the air? Write a book, do a blog you know, herd huskies, <laughs> get your, get yourself <laughs> into travel blogs, if you will. Is that kind of the same idea?
0: Yes. You know what? If you're, if you're in any market, really, uh, you should really, really be looking to expand your brand. I hate to talk about yourself as a brand, but you really, is, yeah. you are a brand. And you need to, you know, find something you're passionate about. A podcast is, such a wonderful thing to do. I I love podcasting. I have a travel podcast. It really is a passion project. Mm -hmm. Uh, But someone told me, you know, even if you get like only a hundred people that listen to your podcast, that's still a tremendous amount of people. Because if you put a flyer up down at at Starbucks and said, hey, I'm having a meeting where I'm going to talk about travels and a hundred people (laughs) show,
1: you'd be very excited about that. I would. I have maybe that many. on my Yeah.
0: Yes. So if you have 100 people listening to your podcast, that's a great start, and you can build from that. So don't be discouraged when you you know if, you, if your podcast starts slow. Uh, find something you're passionate about that you really want to talk about. And another thing, too, is I love to talk about travel, but if I talked about travel 30 minutes a week on my morning radio show,
1: uh-huh.
0: uh, it probably wouldn't do very well and management wouldn't be interested in it. But management said, yeah, you know what, a travel podcast, that's fantastic, do that. And you know, we'll throw that up there and put that up on our, you know, on our on I mean, our website and so forth. And actually, you know, it worked out well because our sister station WBAP is a new stock station. Oh. They said, you know what, we'd love you to do weekly travel reports from us for us based on your podcast. See? So it just, you know, that opened up there, and I didn't expect that to happen. So, you know, doing that, expanding your brand, whatever it is, writing, podcasting, YouTube channels. Yeah, it opens other doors. In fact, we just kind of started something else on the YouTube channel, kind of as a lark, and now we're we're doing these do-it-yourself videos, <laughs> like home improvement <laughs> project videos. Uh, and I just did one yesterday on how to uh, make a uh, organic weed killer. It's like a ninety-second video. It took me a couple hours to make, but it's just <laughs> you know expanding the brand. And it's kind of an on-air joke that I make these ridiculous ridiculous do yourself videos, but it's just goes to show you how you can expand your brand in many different ways.
1: How well does it work?
0: Uh, The the weed killer works
1: fantastic. In fact,
0: if you look at the video, I did my neighbor has a gravel driveway. She's (laughs) homebound, so it got way out of control, and it was, like, almost all green. And the next day, all the grass is dead, and it's it's just vinegar and salt are the main ingredients and a few other ingredients.
1: But it works rather well, so I'm pretty proud of it. (laughs) When you were younger, growing up, growing up in Texas, I'm guessing,
0: My dad was in the Air Force. We just moved around a lot, actually.
1: How did radio, did you like have a little radio station at home or did you listen to music a lot or or did you ever think radio would be your calling? How did it start?
0: I kind of did think it would be and I always was just entranced by radio. I remember at a very young age, my cousin having a small portable reel-to-reel recording and when I heard my voice back that very first time after we spoke in the microphone, it was magical. It was like, this is really neat. Yeah. And I, I remember asking my mom to drive by the Sears when we lived in Lansing, Michigan, because they would have a one of those portable trailer radio stations that you could mm-hmm. drive by and look at see the disc jockey. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And when I got to high school, I listened to some really great radio people. Uh, my dad was sitting in the Air Force. We were stationed in Hawaii. And Ron Jacobs, who's a uh, a big player in Hawaii, formerly from San Diego, and then uh, Michael W. Perry was another big guy. He's still mm-hmm. on, by the mm-hmm. way, in Honolulu. Years later, he's still on there. I listened to them growing up, and um, I actually would call Ron Jacobs uh, sometimes on the air, and he would talk to me. And uh, so I thought that was the coolest thing. Ever. You were one
1: of those kids. Oh, okay. I was one of those kids. <laughs> I
0: would call in the sports talk shows that they had, the few of them that they had, and asked questions, so I was always entranced by radio, and when I got to college, there was a college radio station uh-huh. where I went to school, and I started working there as soon as possible, and uh, I was very lucky that there was a, a woman by the name of Miss Jean Longworth, uh, who was in her 70s, who ran the department at San Antonio College, and she helped me get my very first part-time job, and it took off from there
1: talking to morning show host Hawkeye from 96.3 KSCS in Dallas-Fort Worth. He's the um, Country Radio Hall of Fame and the Texas Radio Hall of Fame, too. That must have been a cool call to get. You know, uh,
0: it was very cool, especially the Country Radio Hall of Fame. Uh, and I'll tell you why. It's kind of interesting because I've never really been good at networking in my own business. I'm, I, I, In fact, networking has always been kind of my my weak suit and I try really hard and I really made a concerted effort to network more at home. But I haven't I've been to CRS one time in 32 years. I've been to morning show Boot Camp one time and that was virtually. Um, so I've never really done a great job networking. So when I got that call, I was really surprised because like I said, I hadn't really done it. You know, I've been here 32 years in Dallas. I didn't really think people in the industry knew me very well. So I was very touched. <laughs> Very honored, and there were some people who advocated for me, and I was uh, very grateful for that too. It truly was just a, a really special honor for me. Uh, and by the way, this year they had to do it virtual because of COVID, and yes. so it put on the YouTube channel when I got in the mail uh, uh, the box, uh, the plaque that opened it, and it. Uh, my wife was filming it, and that was a really neat moment. Was I didn't it, know it was in the box, uh,
1: yeah. I was like, What, who, where, um. Billboard Magazine and Academy of Country Music, Major Market Personality of the Year. Same thing? Was that kind of, did you know it was coming? Did you get surprised for the phone call? Or?
0: Uh, I was very surprised, both of those, because I'm not really a meet and greeter when it comes to other people in the industry, unfortunately, and that, that is on me. I don't go to a lot of these things, so when I got the call, I, I'm surprised. Like, that's so neat, that people in the industry know who I am. I, and I don't mean that to be facetious, I just really, like I said, I really have been more very concentrated on my efforts to network here locally, uh-huh. and I did a good enough job at that as it is. It's and hard. So, um,
1: it's, there's a lot going it on. It is hard. There's so many ways to yeah. promote it, too. What's your biggest yeah. memory, the best memory you ever had of working at the station in Dallas? And then the one thing that just sticks out, uh, out of, after 32 years.
0: You know, I'm going to be honest. We we love to do April Fool's jokes, and a lot, a lot of people <laughs> do them anymore because there's some liability issues, <laughs> At least you're honest. Yeah. Well, you have to run it by lawyers now. We literally have to run it by lawyers now. And we've done some great ones over the years that uh, have really fooled people. And we're kind of known. There are people who tune into our station now just on April Fool's Day. But I think my favorite all-time is Terry Dorsey and I. Uh, We got the, uh, the general manager of Texas Motor Speedway to get in on this. And he, it was so funny. He was like in on it from the very beginning. I didn't even have to explain the whole thing. He's like, we'll do it. (laughs) But he, he offered Terry Dorsey $100,000 to change his name to (laughs) TexasMotorspeedway.com to legally change it. And also uh, to tattoo that on his arm. Of course. And uh, we didn't tell anybody at the station. In fact, we didn't even tell our other co-host at the time, Rebecca Carroll, about it. Uh, we had set it up where Eddie would call the station. Eddie Gossage called the station and offered Terry this. And it was like, i just the shock of everybody in the room. Like, we can't believe this is happening. And Terry said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do tomorrow. And in 24 hours, the story went worldwide. It was oh. Yahoo picked it up. All it right. was uh, my sister who lives in Hawaii still. She called me, says, I just saw this story on, <laughs> like, on Yahoo. And we were getting picked up by uh, newspapers that, uh, that disc jockey in Dallas was offered $100,000. <laughs> that, jockey. to me, was one of my favorite April Fool's jokes we've ever done.
1: Are you still doing them or no no longer? We still
0: are doing them. This year, we had... Um, and now they're more elaborate now. And, and they're easier to fool people because you can create <laughs> fake websites. <laughs> we Don't had, spill your secrets. Uh, these...
1: Wait, stop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's funny. We always tell people afterwards. And it's always the website that gets people because... Uh, they always say there was a website. It looked legit, but this year we had a, a drone parade that was going across the country called the American Drone Parade with special messages, and it was going across the the Dallas Fort Worth area. And we were the first stop for the drone parade, and um, it was supposed to spread, uh, spell out a special message that said "Howdy Texas." But the drones got hacked about eight o'clock, and the drones uh, got reconfigured, and it said "Texas suck." Oh and this was all like none of this happened. But if you were listening to the radio and you hear people calling in, which was all set up, and mm-hmm. uh, people from spokesmen from the American Drone Association uh, calling in to apologize for the foul message of Texas sucks, uh, and everything, it sounded real. You know, people. We literally had schools where the kids were out in the playground. I felt bad about that. I will say, I felt bad about that
1: scared and just running to mom. Yeah, well, that's all right. We know what a good guy you are, so it's okay. But who comes up with these ideas?
0: I'm going to be honest. We work all year on that one. When we when we get an idea for the April Fool's joke, we start working on it like well in advance because it takes a while to create the website and we kind of plan it out, map it out. And the real secret, if anybody wants to know the real secret is started on the 31st, on, on March 31st. So yeah. It, like one year we had a, a gigantic domed dinosaur park with uh, mechanical dinosaurs. It was a romer called Jurassic, Texas. Well oh. we actually sent someone out there on the 31st to go out there and do a story. So no one's really, you know, everybody thinks it's real. There's a website. It's not April Fool's Day, so no one's suspecting anything. And then on April Fool's Day, that's when the havoc started, when the mechanical dinosaurs escaped into the neighborhood. Oh, and, uh
1: Wait till Hollywood so, calls and makes a, a story, a side story <laughs> about. <laughs> it's really in Dallas, folks. It's not in wherever they had the movie. Yes. So, so that's the whole key
0: is, is really you know, when you get the idea, plan it out. Start it you know, a couple of days or the day before April Fool's joke and then have the, you know, the mayhem or whatever. Like for the drum parade, we actually had the, the guest, the, the coordinator for the drum parade. We had him on a couple of times during the, during the week prior. Mm -hmm. So people are like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait till uh, April 1st when there's a drum parade. It's funny because so many people don't even put it together, like, you know, because they're hearing it in March, the end of March. So they don't put it together that April 1st is April Fool's Day. They're just excited that there's this drum parade coming.
1: And now you say you're not a networker, but you're pretty busy writing books like The Travis Club and San Antonio Uncovered, plus the Dallas Marathon, chairman of the Dallas Marathon, which is not writing, but that's something else. You're, where do you find the time to do all this? And tell us a little bit about the books first.
0: The first book, San Antonio Uncovered, actually I wrote that in 92, but we're actually on our third edition. We keep updating it. We just updated it a couple of years ago. But when I worked in San Antonio, I was just fascinated by the city's history. It was found by the Spanish in the 1700s, and there's still things that the Spanish built that are still there and still in use, like water systems, churches. Uh, aqueducts all sorts of things and so it was just there's a lot of stories about San Antonio that at the time when I wrote it that people in San Antonio passed along as oral history and nobody ever wrote down these stories or did any research on them like for instance the guy who carved Mount Rushmore his studio is in San Antonio Mm -hmm. we found the original studios being used as a storage shed at a golf course and now it's been renovated so we just included all those stories in San Antonio and made a book out of it and it took off right away because like I said, nobody had ever bothered to research and document these stories. It was just oral history. And uh, and it became a, a, I was very lucky it became a phenomena and it's in its third printing. We've had I think seven editions of that book.
1: Do you have a team that writes with you or did you do it all yourself?
0: I did it all myself. I did it all myself. It took me It took me years to write it. Okay. Uh, the first edition took me a really long time, years. And then the second and third edition, Really didn't take me that long because I just updated a few of the stories because it's history, so history doesn't change yeah, yeah. that often. Uh, so I would just add new stories and so forth. Um, and the other book, The Travis Club, is actually a novel that I wrote a few years ago. And over uh, the pandemic, when we were at home, I actually wrote a sequel to it, and we're in the editing process of the sequel to The Travis Club. So
1: now you're you're doing mornings, so you know by eleven a.m. you're just completely tired out when do you write the book you get i know thank you for being here today because i know it's in the afternoon (laughs) hopefully you've had a rest and coffee do you turn around and write like at the end of the afternoon i mean how do you get that time in to concentrate and write
0: the the writing is the the hardest thing for me to find time and usually sunday morning is my time to write and i will write Mm -hmm. Uh, if you could write an hour a day that's great i'll write when i'm really cranking it out i'll write like four to five hours on a Sunday morning. Um, and that's usually when I find out the time to write. I uh, got so many other things going on right now that I just, I that's kind of been relegated to Sunday mornings. And uh, so, and the editing process now for this second book, the second novel is uh, a little bit more extensive because there's a little bit more higher expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the first novel was mm-hmm. like, well, that's the first novel, you know, it's, you know, but this one's like, this one really needs to be really tight. And the editor is, uh, I feel like I'm going to writing school with this one. Uh, it's been it's been really a great learning process for me. So we're hoping that this one's going to be doing better than the first one. So,
1: and the Dallas Marathon that's uh, that's a big event.
0: Yes, so that one, my wife encouraged me to do. This. Good for her. Man, it's like a second job. <laughs> it's, it's like a, that's what I do in my afternoons. Really, it's, it's the 50th year this year of the BMW Dallas Marathon, and it's a. It's probably one of the top 10 marathons in the U S and we really only have three paid staffs, mostly volunteers Mm -hmm. and we have over 2000 volunteers that put it on every year and it raises money for the Texas Scottish Rite hospital for children. Mm -hmm. And we've raised millions of dollars. So, um, this is my second year as the chairman. Um, last year was a particularly challenging year because of COVID Mm -hmm. and we had to plan the race multiple times and we never got to put it on. Uh, but this year we're pretty confident it's going to happen in December. But, um, you know I have uh, some uh, great paid staff that does a lot of the you know year-round work okay, and um, and everybody who's chairman brings something different to the table and I actually I, I bring my media skills and my marketing skills and it's been my goal to just uh, market the marathon better and to bring more awareness to it and grow it that way so it's kind of neat uh, everybody else who's done it, they've been like real estate developers who have been chairmen, lawyers, mm. captains of industry, CEOs, and so forth. And I'm like, I'm a DJ. I, I really feel like I'm such a fish <laughs> out of water. I'm like, are you sure you want to be the chairman? Like, and they're like, no, we think you'd be great Aww. you bring all these different ideas, especially when it comes to the media, because those folks, that's not their background. Yeah. And, and, and they all told me, you have a huge, just ask me, you have tons of ex-chairmen, use them. So I've used those folks to teach me about finance, to teach me about HR issues. Cause mm-hmm. I've had, these are all things, you know, medical issues, COVID issues, insurance issues, things that you never, I'm basically, it's like running a business, mm-hmm. um, for two years. And it's been a great learning process and I've really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm glad I, my wife talked me into doing it. And I've gotten to meet so many people and work with people I never would have worked with to put on a major sporting event. We actually draw more people than the Super Bowl drew when they were here. It's, it's been a, a really neat experience.
1: Where can I go or where can we go to hear about or to read about what you're doing, some of the things you're doing? Where's your website? Uh,
0: HawkeyeOnAir.com or HawkeyeInTheMorning.com. Same website goes both places. And it has, uh, kind of my, my uh, podcast is there and not only that but uh my youtube channel some of the stuff we're doing on that you can find my do-it-yourself video
1: <laughs> oh i can't wait uh, do you make vacuum cleaners have you ever tried venturing into that area <laughs> yes and it was a total fail but <laughs> Oh no! i tried to fix my vacuum cleaner and it didn't work oh. i took it apart and yeah
0: it worked for like five minutes and i was so proud look i got this to work and it just broke again and you know so I end up just buying a new one. Sometimes you just got to accept defeat, acknowledge, and move on, Donna.
1: It It didn't suck. So you could kind of spin it to that, right?
0: <laughs> yes, it didn't suck. That's a great way. Yes, it didn't suck.
1: Hawkeye, thank you for joining me today on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot about Dallas Radio, radio in general, and uh, we'll have you back again soon, I'm sure.
0: Donna, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify podcasts or your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in.